And the Oscar goes to... Shall we introduce this podcast? Okay, I can do that. Welcome to Blessed Picture okay, Podcast. Wait, hold on. I just want to make sure. Is your last name pronounced like born, like born identity? Okay. Yes. I just want to like, sure. like Jesus Christ is, is Jason Bourne. Like, like, yes. That. Yeah. Okay. okay. Like, I'm glad we, I'm glad you interrupted me for that. <laughs> I was like, wait, I just want to make yes. sure. <laughs> I was like, very basic pronunciation myself. of my name. Noah is Noah. Born is born. Beautiful. Very simple. Um, <laughs> anyway. Welcome to Blessed Picture, a podcast where we explore underrated or off-the-wall movies we think are totally blessed. I am your host, Shelby Mooring. I'm your other host, Sky Payne. And we are continuing yet another week of Pride Month. In fact, it's our last week. It's our last week. June is over. Sorry. Hate to break it to you. June is over. And my birthday month is coming up soon, so I'm very excited about that. So So, happy for you. um, Because everything has to be about me personally. Um, in the month of July. Thank you. Um, also, to finish it all off, we are talking about a movie that some seem to think um, has the same plot as Dear Evan Hansen, but then were um, quickly shaken out of their reverie um, to realize that no, Dear Evan Hansen is about a straight boy who everyone thinks is gay, but he really isn't. But he lets everyone think that he's gay. Also, he breaks his arm and he's played by Ben Platt, who looks like he's 45 years old. Um, we're talking about Love, Simon. <laughs> and um, this week, we're, we're so blessed to have on, I would say, like the number one premiere combination, Nick Robinson, <laughs> Pete Davidson, Stan, Noah Bourne. They have the same hairstylist. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. I'm happy for you. I didn't either until Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love this recent development yeah, recent discovery i was like wow this is what it's all for <laughs> yeah. guys who have the same hairstylist incredible also it's so funny because when we were talking about doing um, a pride month thing um and we were like looking at what our movies would be for this series i was like oh no it would be a good guest to have on and i was like well here are some movies that we thought of and then i was like wait <laughs> love simon is like <laughs> Our favorite movie why don't I just suggest that because it fits the theme and it would be a perfect episode because we could just talk about like your stand-up of Nick Robinson which is new a year ago I had no idea well I like knew who Nick Robinson was I've seen things I think yeah. I watched the first season of Melissa and Joey but I never quite figured it out but I, I didn't even know he's I don't yeah. oh my God. know like where this came from or how to stop it hey you know I understand that's me and Dove Cameron I I understand deeply we're just there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really. I understand it. It comes in waves. I've, you know, I think we've all been there. We've watched some truly terrible things for like the object of our thirst um, or just general standum before. Um, it Like it's really relatable. I love when we have on people who really just like have one specific celebrity they're really all in on because it's like, I'm fascinated by like who specifically people choose to stand and like what they all know about them and stuff. I think it's why I like the iconography podcast so much because that's like the entire premise. I have two and neither of them do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard knock life. 
I'm trying to think of the people that like the the objects of my thirst, and I'm realizing now none of them have Instagram, which I think is for the better. You know, I think I think Adam Driver not having an Instagram is for yeah. the good of us humanity yeah. and for himself yeah. and everybody else um, like it really <laughs> but I, I am grateful for Dove Cameron and her Pisces Mercury and her strange eclectic Instagram that I love so much yeah but Nick Robinson does have an Instagram because I did stalk him it's, yeah um it's not very it's active cool. 250 but... weeks you can see me commenting just like the other day, like two weeks ago. I was like, it's not too late to delete this bestie on a photo of T.I. <laughs> he didn't delete it. You know what? I, I respect it. Um, yeah. If you like scroll very, like really soon down, it's like all love Simon promo. So like that tells you <laughs> how often he's posting. Very respectable when God. a celebrity uses Instagram just to promo things there. And they're like, if you haven't heard, yeah. I'm in this thing. You can know nothing about my personal life. But I have a movie coming yeah. out and I'll tell you about that instead. Yeah, I love the it. The best is when it's like an account run by somebody else, but it's not a classic case of like social media manager, like like trying to come across as being organically like the celeb, but it's like, it's always signed by management, you know? And then like, occasionally you'll get a tweet directly from the celeb that has their name at the end, yeah. you know, signing off on it. And it's always great. I really respect it. That honestly, in my head, I would be like, yeah, I would, you know, maybe have fun little Instagram content. But then I'm like, no, if I were famous, I fully would not be on the internet like that. Like I would I just mean, have, a, have an alt and like keep to myself. I would have a Lord Onion Rings account. <laughs> yeah, like very much that vibe. Um, would you use yeah, the Onion like, Rings specifically to announce that you were coming back? I would. Yeah. I would. Exactly. Um, okay, before we get like too into celebrities Instagrams, let's do blessed movie of the week. Um, Shelby, would you like to go first? Yes. Um, mine is Together Together, uh, directed by Nicole Beckwith, which was at Sundance this year. Um, and just got dropped onto um streaming, not streaming, but rental services online um semi-recently. Um but no, so it's really cute. I really loved it. It stars um, Ed Helms and Patty Harrison. An absolute icon. icon. Legend. That. <laughs> Incredible. Um, and basically Ed Helms' character is a single man who really wants to have a kid. So he hires a surrogate played by Patty Harrison. And it's just kind of about their relationship to one another. And it's just a really interesting and really great film that sort of focuses on intimate platonic you know friendship and love because they're both kind of loners they're both kind of on their own and it's like you get to see them sort of form this genuine connection with one another and it's really really sweet and I just wish there were more movies like it I I really liked that platonic part of it you know there is not even so much as a like a wink that like it might turn romantic it's it's pretty much firmly in the platonic realm the whole time and it's very sweet um it's fun uh Julio Torres shows up in an iconic role um just you know a a fun little side character I was loving every second of it um Anna Conkle from um Pen15 also is in it in a fun little bit part as well it's great I highly recommend it um I think everybody uh will really like it I'm gonna I need to rent it soon because I missed it at Sundance it's very it's very very cute looks delightful 
Um, no, would you like to go next? I will go next. And compared to Shelby's like great little indie film, this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous. But mine is 27 Dresses. We love. We applaud you. It, I actually rewatched that recently. It was just on HBO yesterday. And I was like, I waited for it to come on. I was like, I'm going to watch 27 Dresses. It's going to be great. <laughs> I and I did. That. I loved I loved every minute of it. It's not the first time I've seen it and it's not anywhere yeah. near the first time I've seen it. I've seen it enough times to have like favorite scenes, which is of course yeah. the montage scene when she tries on all the dresses and one suit. Yes. Justice the for best. the one suit. No one ever mentions it. <laughs> and it's um, just a and great movie. And James Marsden yeah. is great. And I loved it. And it was written by a him. really great like leading man. And it was that does not things. get enough. Credit. Yeah, I want him in more things. Aline Brosh McKenna. Yes, an absolute no icon. Until the other day when I Googled it. It's back when Katherine Heigl had us all in a chokehold, whether we liked it or not. You know, like we really were just like Heigl heads. Really. Please don't like, act like there are people out there good. who Katherine Heigl doesn't <laughs> still have in a chokehold. Chokehold. Firefly Lane just got renewed. <laughs> I forgot about the show. That's the thing about Netflix, though, oh, is they drop God. like six different shows at once and they all have names like that. And I'm like, Oh, I will never watch that. No, and then like, not. I forget about it until it drops again and everyone's talking about it. I'm like, what? But also we don't know <laughs> any people who would be talking about Firefly Lane. Absolutely. So it's, true. It's firmly like a like locals kind of a and that's show good for, for sure. them. They deserve their content too. <laughs> um, my, my plus movie of the week uh, is a movie. It's a classic. It's one of my all time faves. I would say it's in my top five favorite movies of all time. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I saw it. Oh yeah, in theaters yesterday, which was you did in, get to see. I did it. get to see it. I okay. had a harrowing day in which I locked my house and car keys in my home, and then I was just like, "Well, I guess I'll go to yoga again and walk to this yoga class because I had nothing else to do." And my friend who had my keys was at a play, and then my other friend was at work. She finally came to rescue me after. Um, yoga and had a bag full of like 30 keys that were unlabeled <laughs> shout out to past and future guests yeah Nicole. yeah thank you uh and Gio and her came to rescue me I re- recognized my key which I'm very proud of got it first try was able to make it to Raiders I missed like the first three minutes and I was like I've seen this movie a hundred times it's fine um this movie is honestly a perfect movie it hits all of the beats. You got everything you could want out of an action movie. And Harrison Ford looks so good. So, so good. And Marion is out here looking like a member of the Guilty Remnant. If you know, you know. If you don't, watch <laughs> The Leftovers. And I love everything she serves in that film. And I know yeah. people are thinking, Sky, how do you like this movie? Aren't you definitely afraid of snakes? And the answer is I just close my eyes a lot. It's fine. <laughs> There's like two scenes with snakes. Uh, you can relate to Indy in that I, I do. I relate to him. I'm like dumb, but like kind of a hoe and like hate snakes. Here we are. Is it, um, should I also now mention that um, is the actress who plays Marion, is her name Karen Allen? Is that yes. right? Yes. I watched Cruising. <laughs> She's in that. She is. As Al Pacino's girlfriend. Yeah. Who's like, like, where are you going? What are you doing? Oh, you're going undercover? Why, why don't you want to see me? Why, why don't you want to sleep with me? And he's like, not now, honey. I'm too busy doing leather daddy business. He's, he's too busy. Poor Karen Allen, honestly. She's 
never really gotten her due and i think she's really great in raiders she's very good in it she's very good in in raiders and she's also as bad as kingdom of the crystal skull is she did show up she she showed up to that hot mess of a movie but yeah so uh speaking of cruising just kidding (laughs) uh speaking of (laughs) um no uh we are talking about love simon today um a movie that came out in 2018 directed by greg berlanti written by isaac aptaker aptaker and elizabeth berger uh based on the novel simon versus the homo sapiens agenda by becky albertalli now has anyone read that book because i have not read it you did i read it well i read it before the movie came out oh yeah because i was also like a young adult in the young adult era of all the books are gay now yeah, which is great because wow. you're like Gen Z. Gen yeah, Z. you're like, like I'm like Gen, Gen Z. Z millennial, but you are Gen Z. I do Gen consider Z. you like one of my like foremost sources from Gen Z. Like I like if I am like wondering questions about Jay Z, Gen Z, I know that like your Twitter will come through for me, so I appreciate it. You can also answer questions about Jay Z if that's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> A great slip there. A Freudian slip, also relevant to this movie. Um, so, like, what um, I guess I have to ask about this book then, because I haven't really read up on the book. But like, wh- would how similar, how dissimilar is it to the movie? Uh, they made Simon look interesting. Interesting. Oh, interesting. They like made him like, I don't want to say worse because he's not worse, but they made him less interesting and dare I say mm-hmm. less gay. Oh. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I that guess. Kind of- tracks yeah because like this was like the first film like by like a major studio that like had like a gay teenage protagonist yeah so I wonder if they were just like a little scared so they're like we just have to make him really white bread yeah and like I like is there there is there not more kissing in the book that's a weird There's question like, but like the book goes a little bit further than the movie does okay. yeah not much that. further that and there's a sequel of course which you know you get more mm-hmm. like simon and bram tangentially but they're not really they're there but they're not there yeah and also that book okay. gets so much gayer wow <laughs> interesting yeah and i because i was really wondering that i mean first of all casting nick robinson um in the lead i mean is an interesting choice one because it's like obviously he's not gay <laughs> but it's like he's not just not gay but he's like he's just somebody that reads is very straight I think in a way like there's and that's not to say obviously like you have to look a certain way to be gay or behave a certain way it's just he just has a very like straight you know leading man kind of aura to him he's very and so generic like, white boy of the month yeah it's very interesting you think that actually do you not think that it's I do not think that at all but I wonder if it's because I have suffered through 11 movies now and I'm like yeah well, what I think is interesting about him is that I think that's very much how he reads, at least in this book, yes. for sure. And like Jurassic World, it's like yeah, which very like much like, oh, we want, we want like a really pretty, cute, like, you know, teen boy actor kind of a vibe. So it's like, and I understand why they would pick him for this movie if they're very hesitant, because it's like he's he's kind of bankable, you know, he's proven himself. Um, but it's also just like, it's not threatening or alien alienating to like cast him in the role you know it's not like we're really swinging for the fences here um you know by casting him in the lead part um and you know he's good in the movie I like him in the movie would I have loved to have seen 
like maybe an actually gay actor in the part who is, you know, young and like on the up and up or whatever. Yeah, sure. But the thing was, in 2018, we didn't really have that. Like, this is so new. You know, all these young actors coming out as LGBT is so new. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that. And then we're talking about three years ago. We did not have that the way we have that now. No, and I think that this movie like helped that happen. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that this like kind of moved, moved the needle a little further. Like even Keenan Lonsdale, who plays yes. did not come out as gay until after Love Simon came out. Correct. Yes. And yeah. Years after. Yeah. It was not and right away. Without him attached or someone of his like ilk attached, it's like I just don't think they want to make the movie. They want it to be palatable. You know what I mean? Like they want it to to be sort of inoffensive to everybody. They want as many people to see it as possible. Which you know in some cases is, is, is a good thing. In some cases it's a bad thing. You know, you can look at it either way. It's a very complex conversation. Um, I'm glad the movie exists and I'm glad it's out there. And at the end of the day, it is important that it exists, even though some people want to make absurd letterboxes yeah. suggesting otherwise. Leave yes. watch 13 instead. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, so I saw this movie, I saw a screening of it, like in January 2018 so like a few months before it came out and when I like go to screenings like most of the time I will not like go back to a movie and like buy a ticket and go see it but like this movie I was like I have to support this movie and I want to see this movie again because it's like yeah so cute and like kind of endlessly rewatchable and I yeah, went sure. back because it's just that kind of movie it like it's very easy to throw on and like it just good vibes so this is the funniest thing i never saw love simon in theaters ever (laughs) having read the book it was the week of my birthday it would have been perfect but it was the week i turned 18 so i was like busy (laughs) i had stuff to do i I was graduating high school i was turning 18 i had stuff to do i never saw the movie (laughs) i saw the movie in like early 2019 i think Mm, yeah maybe late 2018 Who's to say? The mm-hmm. Nick Robinson movie I've seen in theaters is Everything Everything. I also saw oh, that you in do theaters talk about a lot. Um, because of Movie Pass during the movie pass. <laughs> I definitely I paid for a ticket. I definitely saw it in theaters. I yeah. definitely snuck food oh, into the theater. God. Yeah, of course. I was, I was a kid. What we do? I saw this movie in a theater. I also have this distinct memory of seeing it. And during the trailers, they played I Feel Pretty, the Amy Schumer movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that a choice. We- yeah, that was um, an interesting time for cinema. And the woman behind me, as soon as it ends, goes, ha, huh, she's funny. And I literally turned my head around. She couldn't see me, but like, I really, I literally turned my head over my shoulder and like gave the back of my chair a glare because I could not believe I just had to hear that in a movie theater. I cannot. I truly can't. It's really absurd. And I just, you know... This movie has very, you know, even though I've only, I think I'd only seen it once actually now. Nope. I've seen it twice before this viewing for the podcast. Like five times this year alone. (laughs) It gives me a very nostalgic feeling for just like college. I would have been, no, maybe I was graduated. No, I was fully graduated. I'm old. But like my post-college era, you know, I'm still very close to it. Um, cause I graduated in 2017. So like in the winter, um, I think that's why I was confused, but like, 
the music that they play in it was music that I listened to, like Love Me by the 1975. I forgot that was in this movie. And I was like, oh my God, this yeah. movie has a great soundtrack. <laughs> I always joke that like the reason I love Simon, the reason I love Love Simon so much is because I too get in the car and turn on the 1975. <laughs> it's relatable. <laughs> it's bisexual culture, perhaps for me. Yes. And um bleachers, like it really yeah. the soundtrack is absolutely incredible. The roller coaster needle drop, literally, I was like, I feel like I'm in my car. Yes. It's the end of freshman year of college. I'm just yeah. like ready to go, like driving around. It's very Jeep. good. It's great. I feel like some teen movies, like the music, I'm just like, you've made some weird choices here that like none of these teens would listen to but this feels like yeah. very authentic to like teen culture and it's I it's Simon's playlist it. yeah I appreciate it, it and it matches matches the vibe of his room oh, you know right. there's so many mo- music posters in there it's like it feels like the stuff he would genuinely listen to and it's all because of our dear friend Jack Antonoff <laughs> because he is the one who curated the soundtrack you, um they originally were going to use Wild Heart um which is at the end of the film. And I guess at some point they also approached him and were like, hey, would you, you know, contribute more for the soundtrack? And then they were like, yeah, do the whole thing. Because he met with Greg Berlanti and he showed him clips of the movie and like he started like spitballing ideas and like playing music off off his phone and just coming up with, you know, different song concepts, whatever. And Greg Berlanti really liked it. And he ended up, really enjoying the movie so he was happy to do it um specifically he wrote Alfie's song for the movie which is like his theme um and he would like very much was like I'm gonna curate this soundtrack because he'd never done this before I'm gonna curate the soundtrack so that it sounds good in the movie but it's also a good standalone album so kind of like you know it's it's different than like Lord doing Catching Fire you know what I mean it's like yeah, also the music- a great album a great album, but the music in that soundtrack doesn't, it's nowhere in the movie because it wouldn't make sense for it to be in the movie. Yeah. And like that fun. Game of Thrones yeah. curated album with Chloe yes. and Hallie and Lil Peep, which I do listen to a lot. So I'm, I'm going to give them that. <laughs> I, I but score one for them. He has um, a quote that I just wrote down. And this is, this is all there is to this quote. I'm obsessed with Love, Simon. That was in the Entertainment Weekly article. Honestly, <laughs> just like relatable. If you see me change my Twitter bio to I'm I'm obsessed with Love, Simon, Jack Antonoff later. <laughs> Mind your business. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just like, it's perfect. Yeah, it is. I, I, because like this movie is like so easily likable. Like it just, mm-hmm. I, I have like very few, you know, I'm like, this is a really cute movie. I have a lot of fun watching it. There's good performances mm-hmm. in here. Jennifer yes. Garner is doing her best supportive mother role. Josh Jumel doing the best hot dad role. My favorite Josh Jumel scene in the movie. I go back and forth on whether or not I really like his character, but at the beginning of the movie, when yeah. they're talking about the slideshow that he's making Jennifer Garner's character, yeah. whose name is Emily, and he says, we liked this music when I was young. And Simon says back, yeah, you liked Bill Cosby too, or something of the sort. Yeah, I always yes. think that is so funny. Because I was it's, like, it's freaking smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's a good it's, screenplay. It's very funny. I, you know, I can't speak to the adaptation, but like clearly you've said it. Like, and I kind of there's some very funny moments but in it for sure. There, we are this also filming. is like fun moments. We're also recording this on the night before season two of Love, Victor comes out. And Love, Victor is equally good. I it's haven't watched it, time. but my um, past guest, Emily, said it was good and I should watch it. So I have it on my list of things to do. 
I watched it all in like two nights a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. Definitely curious. I might have to, to look at that. I, and I, you know, I'm very weird with like TV, but, um, I've just been watching sister wives lately and I think it's rotting my brain. So I need something else, um, to dive into that's easy. Speaking of brain rot, I have to bring up this one fact that when I read this, I was like, so shocked. I was like, no, this, I hope it's, I hope it's the same thing that I have. Colton Haynes had a small role in a deleted scene as a man who approaches Simon at a gay bar, mistaking him for someone else he knows and ends up asking Simon to dance. Um, it's, I apparently it was released with the home video release. I it's not on the version I watched. It's in, I watched. It's on, you streaming. can watch it on YouTube. I cannot believe it. Teen Wolf Hive. It's cursed, but also I'm also Teen Wolf Hive. Wow. I watched the first season and then I didn't watch past that, but I kept up with it on my Tumblr dashboard because everybody I followed was obsessed with Teen Wolf. It- so I know a lot about it, even though I have not watched past. Teen Wolf was important to thirteen-year-old me the way Love Simon is important to twenty-one-year-old me. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of amazed he hasn't been like picked up in like the Ryan Murphy universe. I bet really. he has, and we just like are not. If aware. he's been in it, he hasn't. It's not like like Gus Kenworthy gets more work than he does for Ryan Murphy at this now point. That you said that, you know Col- I mean? Now that you said that, Colton was, is going to show up on the Colton Underwood TV show. I hope you he, know that. He was oh, in Scream God. Queens. Wait, speaking of Colton Underwood, there's a joke in this that um, movie. Directly about references. the match being gay! <laughs> I was like, Predict damn, it. this hits different now. This joke is supposed to be offensive, but also it's correct. Yeah, <laughs> now, <laughs> here we are. God, did this air around the time of yeah, this season? This or was what? the same. Yeah, that season started in January. Love Simon came out in March. Yeah, so it was like, God. well, they obviously they would have been in production before that. So like, I think it was like based it. on like they manifested, file, but they manifested that. <laughs> Incredible. Um, speaking of Josh Dumel in that scene, um, and in general. I, I just want to circle back to this because no, you mentioned like, you're like, I'm not sure I really like yeah. this character whatever. I go back and forth. I also put in my notes, he treads the line of being completely unlikable and like kind of likable at several points in this movie. And I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about him before like the speech scene. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not until that moment that I'm like, okay, this character is tolerable because up to that point, like before then, except for like the slideshow scene, it really is like, am, like, am I supposed to actively hate his father? <laughs> like yeah. what, what are their motivations here? I think that it's just that compared to Jennifer Garner's character, Emily, yeah. that you don't, he's not the same. Yeah. Yeah, there's I'm, just a big disconnect. Emily is like very them. supportive and Josh Mel's character Jack is kind of on the sidelines. Yeah. Like he's not going to the women's march with her, you know, that we know of. Yeah. He's not what is his job? We don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. We know she's I a therapist. That. She is very open with her kids when um they're like, We can't watch the affair, there's sex scenes in it. And she's like, You're so repressed. <laughs> Don't therapize me. I'm not one of your patients. Yeah, it's so good. Incredible. She yeah, and she's I mean so good in this yeah, movie I that it, it doesn't help that it's like ah, Josh you I think you know it's like, I mean? like this it's is like, the ugh. perfect role for Jennifer Garner. Like this is mm-hmm. what she was like born to do, I think. And it helps that it's what she does in real life. Yeah. And the thing is, is that scene wasn't originally like in the movie. They like didn't have it in there at all. And basically like 
she, when she became attached to the role, she asked Greg Berlanti um, for a scene that like has her really connect with Simon personally one-on-one. And so then they built this scene around that idea. And then that of course then ends up being like, kind of like the crux of the entire movie. And like, it really helps Simon in the future, you know, it's, it's a really, really great scene. She's so good in it. And just like, that's the kind of moment that when you watch an actress, like in a movie and, and you go, I want her to be my mom kind of a thing. Like, it's just, she's just so fucking yeah. good and so sympathetic and plays it, you know, with a lot of emotion, but it's not too over the top. It's, there's no melodrama. It just really is like concerned parent giving a very genuine emotional speech to her son who she's worried about. And she's fantastic. She's incredible. She does such a great job in that scene that it like, it sticks with you. Yeah. It sticks with everybody. Yeah. Everybody who watches Love, Simon talks about the scene with her. The line that everybody always quotes in that scene is you get to exhale now, Simon. Like that is like the big line that everybody remembers. And she's the one that delivers it. And it's like so impactful and really important. To me, that scene like really mirrors the scene where he comes out to Abby Alexandra Ship first. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he yes. says, did you know? And she says, no. But like she knew. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone knew some- there was something. No one knew what the something was. Yeah. And also he's not like to his credit, he's not great at hiding it. He panics anytime anybody mentions anything remotely close to a secret. That was something I actually really appreciate about him in this role is that he always like plays those moments off, you know, with with that sense of urgency and that sense of panic. Like when Josh Jumel's character is making the bachelor jokes or, you know, calling him fruity, whatever. And he's like over there, like making these faces. And it's like, he's trying so hard to keep it together, but his face is the dead giveaway a lot of the time. Like there's always something off. It's kind of an interesting contrast to, um, we talked about this in the Pride episode, but George McKay's character, who is very much like kind of tiptoeing around and like a little afraid to be so out and open because his family doesn't know. And he's like never really participated in you know the gay community in any sort of meaningful way up until this point whereas it's like interesting it's like he isn't really tiptoeing around he's kind of going through life normally but he is trying to hide it in a way that's really interesting but he's mostly about like trying to keep it together trying not to let it show but he can't help but let it slip out which i think is a really interesting interpretation of a similar role and i think he does like a really good job like i think that like the his performance in this movie is like solid like mm-hmm. and it's like a hard I feel like roles where there's like a lot of like letter writing and things like that that's like very difficult to like do well and he does it very well yeah because it's a lot it's internal a lot of it is very much internal monologue it's like we're reading it so it's like hard to really get it and sometimes when actors are forced to like read long pages of dialogue in a voice booth you know like to like yeah. do that kind of stuff, it can oftentimes be very disconnected. Like you might get like a Harrison Ford and Blade Runner like <laughs> delivering the flattest monologue possible because he doesn't want to read his lines. Like you just don't know. But he does a really good job at like giving it personality, reading it like it's actual dialogue, not just, you know, a paragraph at a time, yeah. you know, and I really appreciated that. He also does a really great thing because there's so many characters in this movie that he interacts with at several different points. I mean, the blues alone, you know, the suspected blues alone, it's like 
there's so many of them, you know, he comes across them, whatever. It's like, he has great chemistry with everybody, you know, in terms of like being able to play off them and their energy. Um, and just like, especially with, um, Keenan, Keenan Lonsdale, it's like he, like the two of them in particular are really, really great. Very, very cute. Like kind of to the point where you're like, I hope it's that guy. Like if you haven't watched it yet or read yeah. it, you're like, Ooh, I hope Bram is his boyfriend in the end. Cause he's, he's very he cute. Seems and like they the have best like a great boy. Like I'm charm. like, Oh, I, I really, I'm rooting for that one. Uh, we'll yeah. always remain very disappointed that we didn't get the miles Heiser makeout scene. We deserved couldn't tell you the name of miles heiser's character in this movie i couldn't either i just not sure they miles ever not, not sure they ever say it that's yeah that's what i was like do they ever my say head. it uh apparently it's i think cal i, I don't think yeah, they've, i don't think they no that's it. not cal cal is the kid miles cal heiser that's who that's who he plays is that what, huh that's what imdb says okay interesting, interesting. i thought cal I was the kid who's singing no by megan trainer at karaoke that's also i i thought that like character but also I, I do want to say to the miles heiser makeout thing um i literally wrote in my notes he has the charisma of a broom so i mean he really um, and, and i never watched 13 reasons why so i don't know anything about well, I watched, him and i don't that. know why i shook my head i watched season one of 13 reasons why and also this is a podcast <laughs> but when i oh, think God. of miles heiser i think of parenthood and i think of oh yes. drew drew holt was a uh, top five first teen crush for me that oh, was, wow. was important. I, I, I always think of his friendship that. with Mae Whitman and I'm like, he, to me and everything I've just seen him in, which is just mostly this. And then the episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, he guest judged on where he was not only bland, but then they did him very dirty by having him also be on the judging panel with Lizzo, who is one of the best guest judges they've ever yeah. had. Like it was truly so because <laughs> he was like he would be the last person I would ever think of to be a drag race guest judge. Maybe not. He popped like three melatonin gummies and then showed up and was like, "Okay, I'm getting paid." And then like nothing literally no energy go on girl give us nothing and in this it doesn't give me anything more like there really isn't anything he's doing here that would prove me wrong you know it's just I do not understand it at all yeah love Simon the school musical that they're doing is cabaret in what fucking universe is a high school doing cabaret I have a whole thing about that I will read to you now this very important information. So when they were going to do the musical for the movie, they originally were going to do Oliver because that is the one that is mentioned in the original source material. But the producers could not get the rights to it. And so for a while there, they were thinking of doing like an original musical adaptation just for the film. And they were going to do an adaptation of Say Anything the John Cusack movie. Um, and so like they actually wrote some of this no. musical uh, before they decided like, we can't do this. Can't. This just isn't working out. This, it's this too much cannot. work. I'm not kidding. And then they, they decided to go with Cabaret, which they had to make sure that Alexander Shipp's character does not wear a bowler hat or a top hat of any kind because this would have suggested that they were performing the movie 
cabaret or revival versions of the show instead of the original 1960s stage version. So it was very convoluted and complicated for absolutely no reason. I just, I just can't imagine a world where like a high school is allowed to perform that. Like I, I went to a very liberal high school in California and we yeah. weren't allowed. We did like Bye Bye Birdie. Like yeah, cabaret, two ladies, money. Like they can't handle the like, I'm sorry. They like what? <laughs> it's wild. I think it just adds to the absurdity of it's it, absurd. and like how ridiculous it is that like, and how bad every like how bad everybody kind of is. Yeah, why like, are they all just, so bad? But you know who's I, you Alexander know, Ship? Very hot. Maybe we should have her do Sally Bowles. <laughs> I would like to see it. Maybe. Can I, while we're talking about Alexandra Ship, I just have to say that I watched the Silk Road movie about Ross. Aub- I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one guy. Yeah, yeah I know. Silk Road guy. Um, and it's Nick Robinson as Ross Albright, which is not normal because he's younger. Like the we have the age does not add up. And then his friend is played by Alexandra Ship. Wow. And that's wow. not it, it made me not be able to watch Love Simon for like two weeks. I was like, I don't I can't disconnect in my brain the scene where she's mad that she had sex with a libertarian. <laughs> And then continues to date him anyway for a good wow, half the movie. incredible! I I feel like I've seen the movie now. I don't need to watch a single thing of it. I'm glad you could. I watched you could it twice. This information. <laughs> no, it's even worse. I feel like I'm the definition of people who will do the absolute most. Why did I watch it? I rented it the second time. I didn't. <laughs> I paid actual money for it on Amazon. Oh no! And I almost that's bought it on you, DVD. That's when you like, know you're down bad. <laughs> almost bought it on DVD just because it was at Walmart and no one else was buying it. And I was like, if I buy it, someone will have bought it. I didn't though. I haven't watched a lot of things that Alexandra Ship has been in, except for like the X Men movies, you know, which I didn't know she was in until a, mm-hmm, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was. A, I remember there was a whole dust up over her being cast in Storm, yeah. but we cannot get into no. that. But but I um, I would like to see her in, this movie. in more things. I'm like, let's put her in more good things. Yeah, she as Abby. When Simon comes out to Abby, I went, yeah, she has big like girl. I would come out to energy, right? Wait, like that's just the I vibe. Literally just stops the car and comes out to her. That's like, yeah, I forgot that she's in Tick Tick Boom. Okay, I take it back. She's gonna be in Tick Tick Boom. It oh, might be good. It's gonna it be a big good. break. I'm fingers crossed. I just want to ask about Catherine Langford because she's interesting to me. I I don't know. The only other thing I've really seen her in was Knives Out. Same. And while she was fine in it, I just was sort of like, I don't know if this is the best role to really judge her on because I liked her in Love, Simon, but like this, her role in Knives Out really wasn't exactly a stretch in comparison to this one. Like, I guess... Does anyone have any other thoughts on her or know anything about her outside of this? I feel uh, like I know um, about her. Oh, you can go. Thirteen reasons. Like I, I never watched Thirteen Reasons Why, and yeah, some for some reason her face is like a. Um, she has like a Sienna Miller complex to me, where like her face <laughs> goes like in one eye out the other. Like I could never remember any like details about her. Upon Sky saying that, I realized I don't know what Sienna Miller looks like but um exactly what I was going to say was like when I think of Catherine Langford I think of uh, Twitter stands attacking me for saying she doesn't talk to her sister even though it's <laughs> canon yeah I forgot god, that. that whole oh my god but yes that is I wow. also I'm 
yeah I think I've seen her sister in more things than I've seen her in and those things are just the after movies and moxie so it was like the after I can't judge her based off of anything else I just I mean it's hard for me to say if she's good or not I just am like yeah she's fun in this movie you know she's got good good friend chemistry with Nick Robinson but okay can we talk about how like his friends are not good friends no no they're the worst the the absolute fucking worst when I wrote my review when, for this time, when I wrote my review for Letterboxd, when I relogged it, I literally said, first of all, he has shit ass friends. And second of all, how does his sister have time to cook a six course meal before school? Like she's the barefoot Contessa. Like that was she my really review. And it's doing the absolute most. But the friend thing really pissed me off because it's like, I understand. Like, I think the only person who has a right to be angry is Abby, right? Like really, really angry. Yeah. Like, okay, glad we're on the same page. And the basis of Leah Catherine Langford's anger is that she was in love with Simon. And it's like, yeah, he can't help that he's gay. And she she gives that excuse where she's like, You were setting me up to get my heart broken. And I was like, literally, how? I hate it. You have to date. I do just have to say this while we're talking about this. In the second book, that is not, I don't know if like Becky Albertalli considers it canon or if she just wrote it for the hell of it. Abby and Leah do get together. So ultimately, like yeah, the whole plot that. of the movie is just <laughs> null and void yeah. anyway. So it's- wow. You know what? I would like to see it. I would like to see it. I just that really drove me crazy. Like that particular grievance. It was she was like, it's not because you're gay, it's because you were setting me up to get my heart and broken. I'm like, like uh, sounds like you're mad because he's gay. And like, like I'm Nick would have been say. a fine boyfriend if that was what it came to. Like, yeah, he, he was nice to the. He was nice to them. He liked them. He was a good friend. He's Ronaldo. They clearly had a fine dinner together. But like I said, they didn't have to go on a date together. Literally, he could have just said, "No, I'm not really interested," and gotten over his anxiety. That's part of the reason why Simon's plan is kind of wild because it relies on everybody behaving exactly as he needs them to. You know what I mean? When there's so much room for human error and for people to be like, "No, I'm going to follow my feelings yeah. and do what I want." Simon, right, sorry. Like, Nick could have just pursued Abby, and he just didn't want to because he'd never had sex before. Well, once. Yeah, he was afraid that she was more experienced you know because he lied to her he lied to him and said that she'd had a college boyfriend or whatever and I understand being a little upset about those they're like white lies whatever but like it's one thing if it's like he's just afraid to come out and that's the story and he's lying because of that okay not great but at least slightly more understandable than him literally being blackmailed and like having like, his shit and to being the out there, like do, yes. don't they have like compassion for their friends? Car the next day to not yeah. take to school. Yeah, and I, which is in itself like the wildest thing that happens in the movie because it's you know we see them driving all together multiple times in the car like a fire hazard basically. Yeah. <laughs> An hour and 45 minutes and you find out that Nick has had his own car the entire time. The entire time. I know, I was like... Drive yourself to school. Simon is going so far out of his way to pick up you and Leah and Abby and coffee. Yeah, how do they have time to do all of that? That's the one thing that also baffles me. One time I went to Dunkin' Donuts before school with a friend, like all of us in her car. We got in a car accident. It's called karma. Because we were not... We were taking our time. Oh my God. Literally does school start at 1 PM? And where are they getting their money? They don't, none of them are working. No, 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 not that And Abby is definitely not like canonically poor. Like she's yeah. 
Yes. Struggling. And she like mentions it many times. But I guess they, Nick does day. get her her coffee. Like he orders it for her. That, that is true. So she has a simp buying her coffee. And you know what? Good <laughs> on her. <laughs> the way to do it. The way to do it. You know, that storyline though just really frustrates me. And I understand it's like, yeah, they're teenagers, they're acting irrational. That's the whole thing. But I'm like, then after they abandon him, he gets like freaking like hate crime yeah. practically in the freaking cafeteria and they do nothing. They just, they just sit there and stare at him. It's so uncomfortable. Like even if you were like sort of fighting with like a very good friend, if something like that happened, like wouldn't you be like, okay, let me like set aside this like petty moment and like go be a good friend. Like, they don't even have to confront those guys directly. No. They could have just gone over and been like, I'm so sorry, Simon. And like, it could have been a great moment of like, him kind of like having to accept this apology or this like moment from them, this sympathy. And then like, you know, having complicated feelings about that because of how everything kind of shook out. And then like, maybe they finally reunited at the end. That could have been better, but no, it's literally, they just like look over and they look away. They're like, the I movie, pretend I do not see it's it. It's so tonally inconsistent too, because like seconds before Simon gets hate crime, he has like the most hilarious moment with the girl he dated in high school before yeah. he came out where she's like, did yeah. you date me because I look like a boy? And he's like, no, I broke up with you because you don't look like a boy. Okay. Boy. And she's like, yeah. oh, okay. crime. Yeah. yeah. Fully just like harassed in the middle of school. Well, everybody like, just watches. Friends. Yeah. Nobody does anything alike. except for, except for Natasha Rothwell's character, who's the only one that says anything. And of course it's the most sort of outlandish, like this would never happen in real life. Kind Truly. Of but she, she's incredible. So I'm not complaining. You know, she's so good. I mean, movie. I don't know what she's kind of like, high school you went to that really does funniest. seem like very par for the course for the high school that I attended really so I was like oh look Natasha Russell. definitely not the vibe at my school but also I did go to school in Indiana so like not really yeah I would have had not one or two teachers. very repressed I'll put it that way um but she's she's really great in this movie though I really appreciated her she has like some of the best lines um, it's really oh, and then Tony Hale when when they go into the office then and he has like the rainbow pin on and like Tony Hale's trying so hard it's really cute it's very cute he, his entire character is trying too it's, hard like he's trying so hard to relate to the kids and be cool yeah. like, that's the entire vibe and I appreciate it I also it. think it's funny when at the beginning he says I really see myself in you Simon and then towards the end he's like I did not mean it that way <laughs> yeah it's God. really funny Tony Hale's Classic. comedic timing is really good. I always like enjoy his presence in a film or TV show. Like I think he always adds something that's just like yeah. enjoyable. Um, another performance I just want to briefly highlight, just purely because of how infuriating infuriating it is. Um, it's 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 Logan Miller as Martin. Martin is the worst. Terrible. I remember. The first time he showed up again in my rewatch, I just was like, oh, this fucking guy, like I have to sit through this again. But like, he's so good as Martin. And that's the thing is like, I don't hate the actor. I just am like, that he character is such job, a but He's a fucking asshole. I hate him. Yes, he's the fucking worst. And I understand why for the plot, they need Abby to like, kind of like him and become kind of friendly with him. It makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, Abby, you're too nice. Get away from yeah, him. All, this is unrealistic. It, like you don't need this. And it is also like in a sense, like realistic for like the experiences that you have in high school, where it's like, oh, this person yeah. fucking sucks, but they hang around a lot. So I guess I'm just gonna have to get yes. used to it. 
that for sure yeah. like everybody knows a martin type like in oh, the friend group literally i was like everybody has a martin at their school mm-hmm. like that was yeah. something i wrote down like it's like a He's very like the, realistic character the tertiary friend who's like a friend of a friend but nobody really likes him that much kind of a vibe but you you don't know why he's around all the and time he has a, definitely like, had one a of little those. henchman guy that kind of is there also but never says a single word yeah um but very quickly I do want to run through Greg Berlanti's career yes. just because I think it's interesting um and I didn't realize how many like how many things he has contributed to in some way shape or form to begin with he began his career as an in um in the industry as a staff writer for Dawson's Creek he then later became the executive producer of Dawson's Creek which is wild like to go from this is my first job to I am now running the show I am the captain now wild to me well that explains how it ends yeah and like (laughs) the like it's also interesting because his presence is 100% why the show featured the first kiss between two men on U.S. network television like literally yeah absolutely Greg Berlanti is our only hope for gay representation on television. It's just Greg Berlanti and Ryan Murphy. And we just have to pray. Greg Berlanti, Ryan Murphy, and they're the two horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> they are waiting for the other two to show up. So, um, oh Lord. But so, like, he then became EP and writer for Everwood, Jack and Bobby, Brothers and Sisters, Eli Stone, Political Animals, you. Uh, and he obviously has his hands in most of the CW DC TV shows as well as some of the DC universe stuff, but he mostly executive produce, not rights for most of them. Um, he also is an EP only for Dirty Sexy Money, Mysteries of Laura, Blind Spot, Riverdale. Not the Mysteries all of related. Laura. I really yes, like the, the Mysteries, mysteries of, Laura. of Laura. I don't know what that says about me <laughs> as a person. I have, I've like, that's one of those it. shows that it would come on after like, maybe not Hannibal, but something like Hannibal. And so I would be stuck watching just like a little bit of it. Like, I don't know why I just would. Um, But then all of the Archie properties, um, God friended me, all American prodigal son, the flight attendant. Some of these make so much more sense um, than other ones. (laughs) Yeah. And then Powerpuff, the Powerpuff Girls live action reboot that is now getting retooled because allegedly it was too campy. It should have, they should have let it be too campy. I, I think just, that they yeah. should have let it be. Just air the pilot. Okay. Actually, you know what? Get a whole season order, air the pilot, and then when it doesn't do well, just dump like all 13 episodes like over a couple of Fridays. Yeah, I don't I don't need this show to be successful for my stand-um. Um, I, I would appreciate the camp. So if we're going to talk about Greg Berlanti and Riverdale, we obviously have to talk about the Riverdale Love Simon episode, which... <laughs> I what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So of what? course, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have to get into this. Wait. So every time I talk about Love Simon, someone wants to talk to me about the Riverdale Love Simon episode, which you cannot make me watch. It's not happening. I have, I have I watched like the first four episodes of Riverdale, and I was like, no, this is this isn't actually for me. So, I but know that this exists because Riverdale is obviously it's Greg Berlanti, so they're gay. Yeah. Cheryl and Tony, Cheryl Blossom and Tony Topaz yes. are gay. They're lesbians. And they go on their first date to see Love, Simon. <laughs> it is the most iconic crossover event. Oh my god. <laughs> like, Berlanti verse history. I, <laughs> I'm now, I'm now uh, on the Riverdale subreddit where the, um, from the year it like premiered and everyone is like, I thought this was a fake movie at first. <laughs> 
I honestly, when you said love Simon episode of Riverdale, I thought it was going to be like the uncut gem silence of the lambs thing where they just basically recreated the plots of those movies in the episodes, but no, it's just like, it's like an episode of like, like a, like, um, like American Idol or like some sort of competition show where they're like, your challenge is based around this movie. Like uh, the tale of Dancing with the stars, Disney night. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, now you're going to watch the tale of Despero in theaters. And then they come out and they're like, it was so great. I was really inspired by it. It's like, how are you inspired by a cartoon mouse for your dancing? I don't know, but okay, sure. Why not? (laughs) I can't. I can't believe I didn't know this did. This is wild. Um, I also just briefly want to mention two other things here. Um, singer Sean Mendez was invited to audition for the role of Simon, but allegedly was unable to do so as he did not have enough time. And we are all thankful. We're all thankful. And then he for saw that. the movie and cried because he couldn't be in it. Yeah. And then he like had a panic attack in the movie theater, which is the whole thing. Yes. And now he's dating um, Camila Cabello. So that's not dating Camila Cabello if you don't have to think about it. That's true. Um, I'm sure he'll be first in line to see that Cinderella movie that does not God, exist. God um, help us that they don't break up in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, oh this is just, I just want to, I want to read this because purely just because of the group of people that it involves. Um, actors Kristen Bell, Neil Patrick Harris, Matt Bomer, Tyler Oakley, Jesse, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Benj Pasek, Andrew Rannells, Joey Graceffa, screenwriter Martin Garrow, Scott Hoying, and Super Fruits Mitch Grassi were so moved by the film, they bought out theaters in their hometowns so the film would reach as many people as possible. Jennifer Gardner and Greg Berlanti were so proud of being a part of it, they also did the same thing. I just thought that was a very funny group so, of people. There's a really interesting thing there, and it's not anything to do with the movie. It is just that Mitch Grassy is credited as being in Superfruit, and Scott Hoying, who I believe is also in Superfruit, it's not. Yes. <laughs> I guess we can go through the plot now, now that we've talked about Thirst Traps and and um, Superfruit. Um, so to begin with... Uh, Simon Spear is a high school boy. He's living in a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia, and he has a close and loving family, parents, Emily and Jack, who did not peak in high school, by the way, um, as well as three best friends, uh, Nick and Leah, whom he has known most of his life, and newcomer, Abby. Um, and of course, he considers himself very normal, fairly normal, other than his one, quote, huge ass secret, which is that he's gay. Um so yeah, you get the whole introduction. You meet his sister who wants to be a little chef. She's doing her barefoot contessa thing. It's a really school. good intro. Like we, yeah. they really like give us all the information we need. I understand their family dynamics. I understand this friend group. I understand who likes who in the friend group. Like it all is set up very well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think it's important to really frame the idea of like, okay, Simon lives in this like picture perfect, like like the kind of family that would literally be the stock photo for like a picture frame you buy at Kohl's. Like that is the vibe yeah. that they have to convey because that's so important because it makes Simon feel this pressure because he sees being gay kind of incompatible with this like picture perfect life. Like it, like if he were to come out, it would change things kind of a vibe. Like it's like, it's hard for him to reconcile his identity kind of with, you know, how he's grown up and everything. And like, it's also interesting because at several different points in the movie, like you have like the joke about like, you know, um, 
like him going to college and like how he would be in college and might maybe he'd be super super gay and like stereotypical sort of way like with the things that he loves and would be very open it would be like dancing and singing and that kind like of literal vibe. dancing and, and singing yeah like a production it's number. a literal flash mob in the middle of the movie yeah <laughs> yeah and you also have like the joke that I did laugh at where it was like how to dress gay and then he just puts on a Henley like it's like <laughs> He doesn't change anything. What did the movie Love, Simon do for the polo shirt industry? (laughs) And and like Andy Cohen is just like, Anna kills me. Yeah. Like, like those are just funny, but it also is very much a thing of like him having to come to terms with the fact that like, no, like being gay is like, yes, a part of me, but like, this is just kind of who I am as a person. I don't necessarily have to change that, which I think, you know, like this movie deals with like coming out and like queer identity um, in a very simplistic sort of way, but I think it works for the audience that it's aiming for. I think, you know, especially considering they're trying to be as sort of widespread as possible. It's like, it doesn't need to be super complex. You already have so much going on. I, I like that it doesn't have to like breach two difficult subjects, mostly just because it's like, this is a light sort of rom-com vibe. And there's already heavy stuff with like the blackmailing going on. And it's like, there are going to be a lot of eyes on this movie that might not see it otherwise. So I do understand coming at it from a very simplistic sort of perspective and not having to go like full, like analytical, like philosophical, whatever. But like the things that it does say are good, I would say for the most part, other than the friends being jerks, but that's like, yeah. Oh, and kind of a redemption for Martin a little bit at the end, which I don't appreciate. No, like Martin can leave. You know. We don't need Martin. Martin can leave. Yeah. yeah. Also, we see him for the first time kind of interacting with a boy. It's it's the kid across the street who's like oh, working the leaf blower. Why is he a teenager but also has like a gardening job? Yeah. And also it's before school, right? So like he's working in a school. Can thing. we do a sequel about what his life is like? I would love to know because I question. Gardening before school. Yeah. And you see him exactly one time and it's like, and then it, like in the real world organically, but then he becomes kind of the stand in for blue when he doesn't know who blue is. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, it's like a really wholesome thing about love Simon is that like, when you watch the movie, he falls in love with every man he ever. Meets. Yes. It is. Martin is literally the exception. Like yeah. Graham asks like, Oh, can I have a French fry? And he's like, Oh my God, is he in love with me? He's like, oh my so, god, he must be blue. Which is like so 17 and very sweet. Yes. Yes. The falling in love with every single person that like interacts with you in a positive way. When he thinks that it's mild yes. fire, he starts fantasizing about him. They know nothing about each other. And he's just like, this is it. Yeah. This is Fully. the love of my And life. I like that because one, it fits like being a teen, being like yeah, falling you know, in love of... and falling out of love just as quickly. Yes, like thinking everybody is like the one kind of a vibe, but also it works for the plot because this movie at its core is a mystery in a sense. It's like we're trying to figure out who Blue is the entire time, along with just like Simon's kind of everyday life. And like, I like that it misdirects at several points because at first it sets it up almost as if it's like, yes, it's definitely Bram. But then it's like, no, it's not Bram actually. And there's a couple of disqualifying things or or the way that like they use visual cues to kind of change your mind. Like when he looks over at Miles Heiser in the middle of like cabaret rehearsal and you think, oh, well maybe it could be him. Then we're introduced to the Waffle House guy, Miles Miles Heiser, and you're like, oh. character is gay or do we just assume that because it's Miles Heiser? We just, I think we just kind of assume. <laughs> I just assumed, but even as the only out, out, gay kid at school like truly incredible outfits like the preppy vibes yeah very the click very the love to have seen their 
Halloween costumes where they were slutty Pokemon. Slutty Charmander. I he wanted, wanted to be slutty Charmander. I was like, slutty Pokemon is a fucking good idea. But we never for got group costume. Slutty Pokemon. Yeah. Give me slutty Charmander. I think I would probably go as um, let me think. Slutty um uh Clefairy, maybe. I would do slutty Bulbasaur, I think. I have I have like truly no opinion on this. I feel like I would have to go for a slutty jigglypuff vibe because like my yeah, color. that would be like, good. You know, you have to do your signature color. Kind yeah, of, of course. Way. Slutty Psyduck, slutty Mewtwo, slutty. Oh, a slutty um, Psyduck would be kind of fun. Wait, I'm gonna steal this. Idea. Slutty Rosalia, like with my little rose. Honestly, hands. the Halloween costumes in this movie are just incredible. If you like, yeah. and look at the Halloween scenes. They're so fun. Amazing. Get, I'm like, damn, these kids committed. Even I'll give Martin, I will give Martin credit. The Freudian slip is very funny. Freudian it's slip funny. is a good it's costume. Not a good, it's like not like a good costume for the event. Yes. Also, no. it's just that Martin's a bummer. So it's like, you can't like it, you know? Exactly. And he makes everything awkward. And when Nick doesn't know that they're the beat, when that they're John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and he's like, I don't know. Why are you dressed as fancy Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> but then... Some stuff happens, like the conversation with The Bachelor. We just kind of get some set scene setting, you know, with, with the friends and with the family. But then we get, like, Simon at home later, and he gets a FaceTime from Leah. And Leah is like, hey, did you see what was posted on Creek Secrets? Um, there's, like, a closeted gay student at our school who is, like, admitted to it. And so then, like, Simon reads this. And is like, oh, I could connect with this person. There's like someone else going through the same thing as I am. So I'm going to email them. And so he tells, um, so he writes a whole email um, and decides to go under the alias Jacques, as in Jacques Adi, which is French for Simon Says. Um, and Blue eventually responds. But I love the whole sequence where it's like, like the, all the scenes of him like freaking out about the email and like, waiting for it to refresh waiting for yes. it to show up yeah and just like panicking very relatable like yes. we've all been there waiting for the text back yeah, yeah. like it's, it's very much that vibe can I just say about Creek Secrets like everybody is really yes. like incredibly nonchalant about this thing that could be like potentially life-ruining for people yeah and they're like, like this in almost every movie where or like book or something TV show, like this where happens. it's like a gossip girl situation like even yeah. now, just in like I noticed in the Gossip Girl reboot that the school is finally concerned about it. About Gossip Girl, yeah. Because yeah, so like I've really experienced that is in the book One of Us Are Lying. One of Us Is Lying. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, this is killing people. Yeah. But yeah. That's it. Which is going to be a- my my school fully did have some of this kind of stuff going on, but like the thing is, is like yes, I had Snapchat. And we had Twitter and we had Facebook when I was in high school, but like Twitter didn't really become like popular for like Gen Z millennial cusp people probably until like, at least in my school in Indiana where everybody's kind of, you know, uncultured um, probably until it's hard to say either late sophomore year or early junior year, because I remember reading so many inane (laughs) tweets during that time. And there were, you know, there were a couple of pages that were kind of like 
fun, whatever. And then like later, I would say is when it really became a problem with like people like trash talking and people like making up rumors or posting rumors on these Twitter accounts. And it wasn't until my brother was in high school and he's four years younger than me that like it became a real problem. It's just like, and then they had to shut it down because it was like really like salacious. Kind it's of just shit, like wild know? to me that like nobody has like intervened or like, like all of the kids seem to yeah. not care. Like they're like, we got to check Creek secrets. And even like his younger sister, like Simon's younger sister is checking it. I'm like, yeah. you're not in high school <laughs> yet. Even and in, you know, the Creek secrets has seen some fucked they up shit too. Like that. Creek secrets and Natasha Rothwell's character who only shows up in like the first episode is like, yeah, Simon met his boyfriend on Creek secrets. It was like, great. And it's like, no, this is no, not, that's not the lesson we're supposed to learn. <laughs> That's like wild too, because that like after the blackmailing screenshot thing, you would think that that would be the thing that would like, cause people to like start talking about it and for an administration to like step in and be like, hey, we can't have this because it's a liability. And Tony Hale is so obsessed with everybody not being on their phones. It's like, okay, so shut down Creek Secrets, yeah. please. But so he's waiting for that email. He's waiting for it every second of the day. He gets his phone taken away because he was using it out in the hallway. Um, and then like we see him at practice for cabaret, um, Abby, of course, is playing the lead part of Sally Bowles. Um, we get, uh, Ms. Albright, Natasha Rothwell's character for the first time. And her whole thing is she's just fed up with every single thing that's happening. She's an understudy in the Lion King. She doesn't need this. Yeah. She doesn't need this shit. (laughs) Yeah. And like, this is also when we kind of get introduced to Martin around this time. He, of course, has a crush on Abby, which then becomes a whole catalyst for everything. Um, but like, there's some great lines in this scene that I just want to note. Um, you know, when Mr. Ward told me that no student, regardless of talent, was to be left out of my production, I had my doubts. That's it. That's my whole speech. And then Siraj start pretending that trumpet is your penis. What a line. Really great. What a line. Durental. And then later, because the scene really doesn't have that much significance, you know, plot wise, other than like, it's just Martin and Simon kind of talking about the blackmail stuff. Um, she says, when we're done, it's going to look like a real German sex club. Don't ask me how I know. Um, and then the spray paint is for painting, not for huffing. You don't want to get good at that. My favorite is when she says, uh, she tells Rob and Brienne to stop making out because they're Nazis. Yeah. Yes. And also that their characters' names are Rob and Brienne, like the Starks from Game of Thrones. Was that intentional? <laughs> There's a lot of Game of Thrones references in this movie. Well, there were a lot of Game of Thrones references in 2018. In the world. In general, yeah, at the large. That, that is one thing I will say about this movie. Is it definitely dates itself just yes. a, a tad bit with some of those references. In particular, like Martin having like a Donald Trump impression as his voicemail message. It's and like so them specifically referencing Game of the Thrones. administration change. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Some Game other Thrones. stuff in it's, there. It's like a now i would like consider it like a period piece like it really is <laughs> so peak i was a junior in high school when it was filmed and it's like so peak okay so everybody in this movie is a junior senior in high school in 20 yeah 2018 yeah like i loved hamilton <laughs> yeah that's like the vibe yeah. yeah i relate to simon it. so much because i literally i lived it <laughs> yeah but then, like, after this point, Blue and Simon begin their corns, cor- corn? <laughs> I have corn on the brain. Blue and Simon begin to have their correspondence with one another. Um, and you get, like, 
really interesting little vignettes of like how they choose to illustrate what Simon's talking about. So like him talking about how he knew he was gay because he kept having a recurring dream about Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> it's just great. And him like him like waking up and staring at the poster across the wall from him. I appreciate that. Um, my other favorite is like him freaking out at like a dance because his girlfriend is like, I love you. Yeah. And he, he <laughs> runs to the bathroom and he texts, he texts Jennifer Garner is like, come pick me up. Kids are drinking alcohol, which to me immediately gave me the energy of George Michael from Arrested <laughs> Development saying um, that he was going to smoke the marijuana like a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> that scene has what I would consider a traumatic wig and I've seen many <laughs> so take my word for it it's not a good one it's not a good wig at all so no it's horrible <laughs> it's like and they even put like fake acne on him to yep. like try and, and make like him look younger patches. like <laughs> it really does it doesn't look good it looks <laughs> I'm like you don't have to sell me on the idea that he's younger by Wait. dressing him younger I, like this could have happened yesterday it doesn't it's matter not working. Like, I, you hired an adult to play a children's role <laughs> yeah like and that's fine because most of because him included, most of them look like they're at least like college age so they can get away with it. You know, it's nothing too egregious in terms of like casting age wise. So I can at least appreciate that. You don't have to like do like Florence Pugh and yes. Little Women. Like, no, we don't need to. I have things. unfortunately seen them Florence Pugh and Little Women him. So I know that they don't need to do it. <laughs> you just can't, it's like you he, can't just put a longer wig on and call it 10 years later. But so then like, after this point, Simon goes to the school library and while he's there, you know, he's logged in, he's looking at the emails and he gets distracted by Tony Hale's character and turns the screen off and then the bell rings. So he leaves and he forgets to log out of his email. Martin ends up seeing Simon as he's leaving and goes to the computer that he used and he is still logged in and his emails are completely You visible. hate to see it. You Which is such a rookie it. mistake. Rookie mistake. Once I stayed logged into my YouTube at school and someone subscribed me to their channel, <laughs> which is like a respectable hustle. I totally get it. It must have been in computer science. But like, also, Honestly, I think I'm still subscribed because I like, I respect the hustle. Who am I? That's very funny. What if, wow. okay. Instead of blackmailing him, all he did was Martin was like, an incel red pill like youtuber <laughs> or he did like with like a side of magic to it because he loves his close illusions, illusions or whatever yes um and like he just all he did was subscribe simon to his youtube channel i and was like you have to stay subscribed on youtube channel that he's like you know those makeup artists who also talk about serial killers while they do their makeup he's yeah talking about incel theory while also doing close-up magic <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Like he's like talking about like how to become a sigma male while oh doing like God. some sort of fancy Rubik's cube illusion or something. I hate it's it. like I can see that. Yeah, but, but I get it's also the vision. Like very like it, it happens. It happens. No, hundred percent. Like after being canceled at Creekwood High School, Martin goes on to become an incel legend. <laughs> <laughs> so Martin then approaches Simon and reveals that he took screenshots of his emails and is now effectively blackmailing him to get him to set up, to get him to set him up with Abby. And Simon, of course, understandably becomes very upset over this, but also isn't ready for everyone to know that he's gay. So he reluctantly goes along with this plot. And Martin very much makes a point too of being like, I don't need you to make me over. I need you to get Abby to like me for me, which is a very tall order. Um, and also one that would totally suit 
someone as delusional yeah. as, as Martin. He, he has like, like, he thinks he's the main character. Absolutely. No one wants to be friends with him. And it doesn't help that he's like in one of the like main roles in the musical. Yeah, it why is he the MC? I have a lot of problems with the casting okay, of this show. When Martin, when Martin is your MC, you know you have a very weak cast. I went to a school okay. with like a great theater department. So I simply cannot mm-hmm. picture any world in which Martin Addison is getting cast in any musical. Let alone as the MC. Yeah. You also then, we sort of get like this immediate contrast of like Blue, like talking about Halloween and Simon being like, oh, what are you going to be for Halloween? And Blue being like, I can't reveal that information to you because I'm not comfortable yet. I'm not ready. I didn't want you to know who I am. And Simon which, like- Which good on him for like having boundaries yes. and like- clear communication and and Simon fully respects that the entire time which I do appreciate in this movie there's never a moment of like why are you hiding from the real you why are you ashamed of me as we've discussed several times on this podcast you know with like a movie like happiest season um Mm. where that's very much a plot line um please watch please watch happiest season instead of love Simon if you're (laughs) that letterboxed person yeah we have to okay we briefly have to talk about that I found a letterboxed list that was like Blank, blank movies you should watch instead of Love, Simon. And it was this, 101. 101. The first one is Moonlight. Okay. Second movie is Call Me By Your Name. Already off to a rough start. Now, and the problem is not just that they're listing like, oh, here are, you know, other like LGBTQIA movies that are richer and portray, you know, a deeper sense of like gay relationships. No, it's just like movies that like, they vibe it's with movies that the person liked yeah like and there's high school movies on there that are not gay so like the breakfast club is on there and part of their problem with lost simon because i did read the review was very much just that like mor- morally you know it was like bankrupt or something and you know it's and i understand criticisms of like this is a movie for straight people blah 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 and that i'm not going to argue with you know because it's very much made for a wide audience you know we had a similar thing that we talked about on pride it's a very similar sort of thing But like they're arguing on other moral issues and it's like, okay, you can't do that. And then have call me by your name, the breakfast club, um, a plethora of other very problematic movies on your list. And then claim that those are the ones you need to be watching. There are no cannibals in love, Simon, alleged cannibals. I don't want to get you to mention the age gap, the age gap between those characters in that movie anyway is already off to a, it's like, Rocky start. The movie in itself is problematic, and then they put Army Hammer in it. Then you, yeah, you pile that on top. And also, I've read how the sequel ends, and I'm not happy with that either. Yeah, no, very I have um, not, hmm. and I will not. Oh. <laughs> I'm not, and will not. <laughs> but so anyway, um, so like this movie fully is like coming out is a thing that you do for your like that should be your decision nobody else should make it for you 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 should not take that away from somebody and also they clearly show it as a means of safety and personal choice and you know sometimes it's just you know something that people use to protect themselves you know like not coming out can very much be something that can save a person from violence etc etc I appreciate that it is in this movie. Um, yes. And the boundaries that are set up between Blue and Simon are also very good. And for the most part, very healthy and, and fine. And I appreciate it. He is like, Blue, I get it. You know, I understand why you're not comfortable telling me. Um, and also clearly he's in a place too where he's not ready to come out yet either. So it's like, and he has this thing hanging over his head. So he fully understands Blue in that moment. Yeah. Um, and then at lunch, uh, Bram 
cutie of the moment, but love him. Invites everybody over to a Halloween party. And this is when Simon starts to suspect that it's Bram who could be blue. And then we get the change from the landscaping kid to Bram, who is typing the letters. The smile that he does at him when he asks for a french fry is the cutest fucking yes. thing I've ever seen. It's literally it's important to me. He is just like, I, he's like, he has like a really contagious smile. Like really, he just does. Like, I'm like, damn, you are charming also, a as lot of hell. movies about like hinges around eating French fries. Like it's a pretty solid portion <laughs> of the plot. <laughs> Incredible. It's, it's like how, um, Nomi Malone is obsessed with chips, you it know, is. doesn't want to eat brown rice and vegetables and showgirls. It's like, you know, <laughs> the entire plot revolves around that, but um, you know, and like Kenyon Lonsdale, I saw him on Drag Race as well as a guest judge, and he like did the Snatch Game, which is their match game parody. And what that the setup for to me? Yes, and the setup oh. of that particular one was that it was the Snatch Game of Love, so they're doing it like um, the celebrity. I almost said celebrity because that's the reboot. They do it like the dating game where he's like yeah. on one side of the wall, and then the the queens are doing their impersonations and then he's like asking them questions and reacting to them. And he was so good at it. So charming, so cute and just had the best outfit on. I really just adored him in that moment. And I already liked him from Love, Simon, but I was so happy to see him there. Yeah, He I deserves really, really so much credit presence. and attention. He's great. He's got charisma in buckets. So then, um, at the Halloween party, Simon attempts to connect with Bram um, and also does some sort of finagling to get Abby and Martin to hang out together. Um, but then, of course, later walks in on Bram making out with a girl dressed like a minion, <laughs> a sexy minion. What a costume. <laughs> a, truly. And that was the thing that struck me this time. It wasn't just disappointment that Bram was like making out with a girl. It was like a minion a sexy minion I don't think I noticed that last time like, it really just threw me for a loop the Halloween party is like obviously heart-wrenching but also one of the greatest scenes in the movie because so much yes. incredible stuff is happening they play beer pong and they might yes. be good at it and they might not be good at it mm-hmm. yeah everybody the is doing karaoke, karaoke it's really as incredible. long as you love me the two yeah. of them sing Bram and Simon singing together is very cute that's like something from a fanfic I love it it's great I love when they sing as long as you love me because you're like oh that's why his dog's named Beaver (laughs) (laughs) literally (laughs) then he sings the violent femmes and that song always gets stuck in my head a a very interesting I'm glad the movie also acknowledges a very interesting vibe to pick while you're drunk at a Halloween party okay sure whatever and I mean, and that's really credit to the writers and to King himself, because it's like, when that's like revealed, you care, you already care. You're already in, you're like, this is the guy I want. If it's not him, I, mm, I might not hate it, but I'll be disappointed. Like love the bathroom scene where he's talking to himself in the mirror and he's like, why did I pick Jacques? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The like second guessing and like really like awkwardness. He's so good at like the awkward teen, like you're thinking about everything you've ever said like a million times it's really good and then like Leah walks home with Simon and when they're sleeping over together she basically goes on this like whole little tirade about how she's like too cat and she's not a casual person and she's fated to love one person very intensely um and like it's a really interesting conversation because it's like Simon, you can tell on his face that he's like thinking 
maybe I could come out to Leah. Like maybe this could happen. Like he's really connecting with her. But then when it gets to like the romantic stuff, he also kind of like, it's like, he's not a hundred percent. It's like clearly not registering with him that maybe it's him she's talking about that. She's like alluding that she like has a crush on, but also at the same time, he kind of like ends it very awkwardly. He's like, okay, good night. He's yeah. like, I have to go yeah. to bed now. That's another scene I really love. Yeah, it's it's really great because it like fully establishes like the dynamic between the two of them. They're very, very close. They can share this kind of stuff with each other, but like this is the one thing. They both have their one thing that they can't fully share with each other. And they're both kind of like so close to getting it, you know, and communicating it with each other, but they just don't. And then she's like, okay, I'm gonna go sleep on this. Um, I don't even know what she's sleeping on, a chase lounge or something. Like yeah. at the end of his bed. But there's <laughs> at the beginning of that scene when they're getting in the bed, he like swings in on the wall. And it's like, oh no, that's not necessarily like, like I know that it's to create like the illusion so that when we see the overhead shot of them laying like with their heads together. Yeah. But it's like, just lay in the bed. Just get in the bed. Sir. I have a you lot of problems with Simon's room. It's like so like it's a lot. It's a it's it's like, it like my... what movies think that like teen rooms right. are. And like then, it's like... very extreme home makeover. <laughs> yes. So then like we get some more back and forth with blue blue admits that he's planning on coming out because of their emails. Um, then we get the coming out scene from the straight kids which in is the movie, which so funny. Do you remember when that scene was the only thing circulating around yeah, and was- everybody was like shitting their britches over it. They were very angry. There was a lot of discourse and they're like, this is trivializing, blah, blah, blah. And then in the context of the movie, it is very harmless. It's yeah. like funny. It like makes sense because it's very much Simon being like, why don't straight people have to come out? Like, could you imagine a world where that happens, right? Like it's a subversion. It's this idea of like, you know, I don't know. I just found it very funny that the marketing team was like, yep, this is the hook we're going to get them with because it is a funny scene, but I'm like, clearly there was no one gay on your marketing department to tell you (laughs) this is not a good idea to take out of context. Like of all the scenes in the, like, if I were the marketing team, think about this kind of stuff a lot. Like the scene I would have picked to advertise is like, it's the Halloween party scene. Yeah, put 100%. in the lap. Just put in the eight minutes of the Halloween party scene where you see like every you know they're teenagers, they're having a good time, there's beer pong, and then there's you know all of the I can't think of the word. You know, there's all of like the ruminating, like oh, should I do this? Should I not do this? Yeah, yeah the will they want they? Yeah. Then we have the whole scene with like him being like, you know, imagining what it was like in call, what it would be like in college. And like, you have like the dance scene, dancing to, uh, I want to dance to somebody by Whitney Houston. Um, I appreciate Nick Robinson trying his best to do. He tries his best. Not the only movie he dances in. Oh no. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. (laughs) It's going great over here. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's Um, doing something. He's trying really hard. I mean, really like the definition of a person who will like do anything in a movie they're singing and dancing and yeah also I will say about that moment that was also the moment where I was like are they developing a musical over this because then it could be the thing that everybody thinks that dear Evan Hansen is about (laughs) like fully too late I I mean I think it fully could be a musical I think it could be a cute musical I think so too I think it would be very cute 
So then Martin, of course, has the sense of urgency. He wants to get with Abby desperately. And he's like, you have to move faster. I'm going to blackmail you. Um, so Simon meets up with Abby and Martin at a local diner after he convinces them to practice their lines for cabaret oh, yes, together. A local diner that's 100% not a waffle house. It's, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a waffle house. <laughs> it's a waffle house. <laughs> um, to the point where when he gets up and makes that whole like proclamation about Abby and is like, you need to be proud of yourself, blah, 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 whatever he says. And like, everybody just sits there and looks at them with like it's complete so disgust. And then he like, promptly stop. orders um, hash browns. Yeah. yeah. Complete Waffle House vibes. I'm very glad I moved to a region now that does have Waffle Houses because I do enjoy. Um, I, I changed it. my life. They do that whole thing. And then of course they end up meeting Lyle who is one of their classmates back at school um, who is a waiter at the uh, Waffle House. And it's kind of at this moment where Simon's like, ooh, maybe maybe Lyle this, could be bold. Yeah. Because he steps out to like- Look at his phone. To look at his phone. And he gets an email from Blue at like the exact same moment. And yeah. he just randomly runs out there and is like, hey, remember uh, when that happened to that one kid in biology class or whatever? And just like fully starts a conversation <laughs> no, with him. I was, like, I was like, Simon, come on. We got to work on your game or something like this. <laughs> Working on Simon's game is actually part of the movie, so we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, so for sure. Also involving the same character. <laughs> yes, very much so. Then on the drive from the Waffle House, Simon decides to come out to Abby, um, and it's just like a very sweet little it's moment. Very cute. We talked about it, but like I, I think they're very cute. I really like. Yeah. This and he starts lot. off kind of tense and awkward, like he doesn't know how she's going to completely react. Yeah. And then it's, and then you know by the end they're saying I love you and they care about each other and it's just very very sweet honestly a very funny way for him to act about it because Abby comes from an objectively more like progressive area where yeah you would think that that, like of the people to come out to like she seems like she would be the like most open fully like ranting about like how she's not sure she'll ever be in love because of like everything she she's experienced with her family and, and stuff like that like she's in a vulnerable position she's revealing this information now's the right time you know like honestly simon doesn't like have great timing for his coming out yeah <laughs> she's but she's like new in town and she's happy to have them as friends like truly yeah. she's just happy to be there with them right and to have their friend group um but so then like after this Simon's kind of feeling bold. He proposes that he and, and Blue reveal themselves to each other, but Blue isn't ready yet. Um, Martin then begins hanging around Simon and, and Abby's friends to get closer to Abby. Um, and this bothers Nick, who still wants to ask Abby out. And of course, Simon, attempting to steer Nick away from Abby, tells him that Leah has a crush on him and that he should ask her out instead. And then kind of does the reverse as well with Leah and is like, you should pursue Nick. Um, yeah. Because I think he has feelings for you, um, which of course, like I said before, too many variables apply. This so could go such wrong an unsophisticated, un. Yeah, I wish that he would have like plan. thought it through like a little bit more. Like, let's just focus on one part of it and like see how that goes. And he you should, know, if he if he thought that the way to fix this was to get Leah and Nick dating, he should have been planting the idea in his head much longer than literally just ten minutes. Well, literally, he was like, yeah, you should go on a date with her. And then he's like, oh, okay, I'll do and, like, that. like, doesn't mention it again. Like, yeah, like. <laughs> Not at all. We don't even see the date. We don't see anything. It's literally just like, yeah, we went on a date. And now we're at a They went to game. a nice restaurant. I do know that's mentioned. Yes, yes. And that's like literally. And they're late it. to the football game. 
Yes. And at the football game, Simon crosses paths with Lyle again. Um, and before he can kind of summon the courage to ask Lyle if he's blue, he, of course, Lyle is like, hey, tell me about Abby. What's her deal? Right. Because, of course, one, everybody, of course, is in love with Abby. Like, I mean, unsurprising. She's got no very unsurprising. And also just like, it's, we got to keep the mystery alive. Right. So, you know, we got to misdirect once again. Um, and so like he, after this, he gets upset, you know, that Lyle isn't blue. He's just kind of frustrated and he's kind of over, he's just over Martin in general. And Martin's like, what do I do? You know, I should, what should I do? You know, it's not working. I want to be with Abby, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you need just go big or go home or whatever, dude. Like, I don't know, stop bothering me. And so then, of course, Martin takes the complete wrong idea from this and decides, okay, I'm going to publicly declare my feelings for Abby in front of every single person at this football game right at this moment um, and interrupts the national anthem and everything and gives a whole speech. And then Abby very politely lets him down and is like, I'm not interested. I just want to be friends. And then he becomes completely humiliated. By what has happened and when tony is the, hails us hey hey why are we interrupting the national anthem <laughs> it's really that line reading chef's kiss <laughs> <He's> like <laughs> yeah also he's only the vice principal which i always think is so funny where yes. is the principal in that movie i know nowhere to be found it's very much like the the president and veep you know it's like we never <laughs> see him he yes. doesn't exist and Tony Hale Veep is also in Veep. Veep, exactly. A TV show um, I still haven't finished watching. Oh, I love Veep. I'm a I'm a Veep fan. But I also liked when the girl was like, one of the theater girls was like about to sing the mash national when she was about to sing the national anthem she goes this goes out to all of the refugees and my vocal coach <laughs> Monica Lewis, and then somebody goes yeah. <laughs> it Absolutely peaked, like, insane. Crowd fashion. I'm obsessed with that. Um, and then after this point, there's more blue talk. Then it kind of shifts to Miles Heiser's character, who we still don't know the name of, really, um, with this sort of, like, hint that it could possibly be him because he had talked about going to an unheated cabin for Christmas break. Um, and then a similar thing is happening with Blue. Um, and then we get, like, the whole thing of, like, him suggesting Christmas music to him, which I only mentioned because his list has Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by she and him on it, which I appreciate. <laughs> what a version it's great i love their christmas album's good i really really like it i actually do enjoy it isn't there there is something on it that is like very out of place it might just be someday at christmas yeah it's like kind of i i wrote it down but then i erased it because i was like i don't need to talk about this like there's no point but yeah it's like but the she and him one is particularly like really kind of out of left field i think there's like something by the kinks or something in there as well it's like that kind of vibe and then it's like someday at christmas and then i think there might be some like there's like the david bowie bing crosby like little drummer boy on there as well that like, is what it is because it's like what yeah i don't choice. like i am a little drummer boy hater okay Same. first and foremost so i'm just gonna put that out there so then like on Christmas Eve to distract himself from the humiliation he's faced and take the heat off of himself, sad. Martin decides to out Simon by posting his email on the school's gossip Creek website. secrets. Creek it's secrets. just so fucked up. Like what a yes. fucking terrible thing to do. I hate. Horrible, a nightmare, very upsetting. Um, and then like Nora, Simon's sister shows up and is like, 
I contacted whoever runs it and they're taking it down. And of course he's very upset and like, can't. Yeah. And he's like, like, he's like, in that moment. he's like, the internet isn't written in pencil mark. It's written in ink. <laughs> it's written in ink. God. Talisa Bateman in that scene is like very incredible because she's literally a child. Yes. But she is like a very good actress. This is not the only Talitha Bateman movie I've seen, unfortunately. Uh, Geostorm. Is- oh, yeah. Mine's The Fifth Wave, which is bad. Yeah. But also includes some like very sweet like Nick Robinson and Talitha Bateman, Bateman moments because they had worked <laughs> together before. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, in Geostorm, she's basically the same age as she is in this movie yes. because that movie was shot in like 2014 or something insane like that. It's like absurd. It doesn't make any sense. I'm it's wild. And she's similarly like a precocious, like kind of like talkative, bossy, like child. Yeah, very similar vibes of her characters. in the book, Simon has another sister who just like gets cut out of the movie, even though she's great. So justice for her. Um, (laughs) Don't remember her name. Honestly, she might've been the Nora character and the little sister had a different name, but yeah, for her. Yeah, justice. Yeah. So, um, but after that point, Simon then ends up coming out to his parents on Christmas um emily of course takes it very well because she's an icon a queen etc um jack of course is upset so he kind of like runs away from from everything um and cannot handle it um and he continues to also ignore his friends texts and calls um then we get like the how to dress gay gag and then him putting on a henley anyway the the fucking all the photos that's just like a really good it's just like really good the pictures of like the gay celebrities that they chose i'm just like there's some choices that were made here this is also the dancing and this is also the dancing as he gets out of the shower scene which is like don't do that you'll slip and fall yeah Yeah. really i joke all the time that like paramedics will find my body because i've like slipped and busted my ass um after dancing to get me bodied (laughs) while showering so like I totally agree. Though. I notably fell in the shower at the beginning of the pandemic. I was not dancing though. Oh no. <laughs> no. I slipped on a non-slip mat. So uh, no! the irony is astounding. Um, and then like, of course, after this point, Nick and Abby are a couple and they end up confronting Simon with Leah about the lies that he told them. I just want to like tell Simon that like, don't worry. Like you'll find friends in college. You like you don't you have to worry about your get school better friends. friends. Yeah. It- love victor he lives with tommy dorfman it's great you you love to see it he's not actually there like tommy dorfman's there he's not there but i mean (laughs) (laughs) but his presence is felt um but yeah so like it's like it's just such an outsized reaction it frustrates me it makes me so mad um and then like after this point uh, after being rejected by his friends, Simon receives a final email from Blue, who is very upset about the emails that have been leaked and is scared of being outed himself. Um, and Blue tells Simon that they should stop speaking to each other and deletes his email account. And Simon, of course, is very devastated. He's basically yeah. lost everything at this point. Then he gets harassed by um, some students in the cafeteria along with Ethan. Um, and then the two of them end up having this like nice moment where they talk to each other in the vice principal's office where it's sort of like, you know, Simon has said previously that it's like, he kind of envies Ethan because it's like being gay and out has always seemed easy for him. But he's like, listen, no, my life is not easy. I've had difficulties. Like my parents, my family won't accept that I'm gay. Like they choose to ignore it actively, even though I'm out. Um, And it's like this moment of like Simon realizing that like, it's not that it's easier for him. It's just, he's been able to sort of figure out a way to just cope with it and sort of manage his reactions and just, is able to use 
like sassy comebacks and things like that just kind of as a shield for himself like he just has learned to deal with it essentially really appreciate the scene with ethan because it feels so realistic like i'm half black and i'm bisexual and uh (laughs) not feeling super accepted on the extended side of the family but that's like neither here nor there but it's like realistic like oh like of course he's not happy like you think he's like doing great but of course he's not no one is oh yeah like there's a huge difference between like being out in public and being out at home and yeah so on and so forth and all the stuff that really comes with that that this movie you know it only briefly acknowledges it but it does acknowledge it and it's and that's important I mean and the target audience for this movie is teenagers and they're still learning about things like this you know that's stuff that you have to kind of figure out as you go you know you're not handed a handbook you know being you know, you're not learning this stuff immediately. So it's like nice to just have a simple message like that out there for them to, to grasp onto. Um, and then like in his last ditch effort, Simon ends up asking Miles Heiser's character if he is blue. And Miles Heiser with the charisma of a broom basically is like, no, bro, sorry. He's like, what is that? He, he, I think he actually says, what do you mean? Yeah. He's yeah. Like, what do you mean? He's very confused. No, I'm sorry. And then that's like kind of the end of that. And then we end up having the scene with Jennifer Garner where she talks about him coming out and like him having having this inside him and, and, and holding it in. Um, and she's like, you should be free to be yourself. Um, you know, there are parts of you that have to go through this alone. You know, it's like, she's not, she's not upset about him being gay at all. It's just, she's upset. She cannot protect him. She can't fully understand what he's going through you know i really appreciated that it was a very sweet moment you get to exhale simon it's a very sweet scene i do think it's funny that afterwards she literally does just get up and walk away though like there's not like a moment she literally just <laughs> like i gotta go she's like okay i've done my time i am um that's a wrap on jennifer garner <laughs> quite literally they're like okay yeah. slate done we cannot afford she, you for she, another minute please go she did that take she was out <laughs> cut the check baby and then like also i'll just bring it up now because it's obviously worth mentioning he also reconciles with his father and there's like a really interesting sort of conversation there where he feels really guilty about all the things that he said all the jokes that he's made and he's like upset that he maybe came across as unsupportive and wishes that he sort of could have been more of like a beacon of support and safety for him before yeah um and is like sad at him or mad at himself for the way he reacted and 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 things like that and it's a really I mean that is a really good scene and it's the one time that I'm like okay Josh Duhamel I'm on board again (laughs) okay you know he like I I liked life as we know it (laughs) I like Josh Duhamel I think I think he's like a really hot dad in this like I'm He's a very hot. Taking Timothy Oliphant. Sorry to say. That's if who I it is in Demi's letterbox review, right? Where it's like, whenever I see Josh Duhamel in a movie, I always wonder, wonder what Timothy Oliphant was doing. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> when I watched this with friends, they were like, oh, it's Sloan from Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, no, it's not. What are you talking <gasps> about? It's not Eric Dane. He's what? busy being Nate's dad oh on Euphoria. Like being the opposite dad. <laughs> wow. That's shocking. <laughs> You remember it was a whole thing that they were having, like him and Eric, uh, Rebecca Gayhart were like having like threesomes, like in a hot tub or something. Like, do you remember that? Does anyone Honestly, remember good that? for them. Yes, I like distinctly remember that. And also, like their kids scandal. have wild names. Oh yeah, they do. She also like fully ran over a kid. That was a whole other thing I went through. Well, I'm gonna have to podcast. do that research. Um, yeah, 
did not know about that. And also, this was the moment when I realized that Eric Dane's not married to Rebecca Romaine. No. Is that her wow. name? pronounce her last have- name? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Levels. Um, okay. So then, um, let's see. Okay. So then Simon ends up apologizing to Leah for lying and admits that he's fallen in love with Blue. And she, of course, ends up forgiving him and asks no more information and is like, I have to kill straight Simon in my mind. So talk about Blue. Um, and they this begin like the next. Thing. It's so thing. Then they begin the next stage of their friendship. Um, I love that she's like, you have to tell me, like, we have to relate about boys now because I can't think of you romantically anymore. Whereas Abby was like, okay, now we get to check out boys together. Fun. And then it's like, and then like Nick doesn't like have a reaction. Like he's just like, okay, he's so awkward. And when it's like, when she's like, that man is fine or whatever. And he's like, that man is fine. Like, that's like his reaction. It's like, so like monotone. Yeah. Like a robot, which is funny because he's very good in the rest of the movie. It's just that once he's very, very overplaying the awkward. We somehow went through this whole plot without acknowledging the scene where Nick tells him that he bought a flashlight, but he gets cut off. (laughs) I very purposely did not put that in my summary because I did not wish to address it again. (laughs) It's in uh, like an insane line. (laughs) Truly, (laughs) why is this in this movie? And so then after this point, Simon posts a confession to Creek Secrets, apologizing to his friends, seeking out Blue and asking him to meet him at the school carnival. And he like, it's a really great moment because he gets to express himself in his own terms, in his own words, and reaches out to Blue and is basically like, hey, no pressure to show up, but it'd be great if he did, which I like. I like that they add that there. And then after the school musical, he reconnects with all of his buddies and invites them to go to the carnival with, carnival with him, um, which I only mentioned because when they cut to like the actual musical itself, why is he in the front row when he is taller than the people behind him? And not the only that- musical, I could, I could like have a whole thesis. Um, Sally Bowles should not be in Welcome Men. Like I have a lot no. of things to say about this musical. And like, he cannot shake his little American Eagle booty to save his life in that scene. It's just not working out for him. I think there was like actual Love, Simon, American Eagle spawn con. I would believe it. That, that would seem sense. very on brand. They play like bleachers in their stores all the time. I've heard Honestly, roller coaster in their attire too. It makes sense. I can't, couldn't tell you the last time I was in an American Eagle. Like I shop there a lot. I just got an order from there today, mm-hmm. but I don't. I love it. an airy order. We do love airy. Their underwear deal they had going a few Black Fridays ago changed my life. I got two white lace bralettes to go under sundresses. The bralettes the are best. great. I they are great. Them. Airy sponsor us, please. Fabletics don't. Airy, please. Please, thank you. <laughs> but so then at the carnival, Simon's waiting for Blue. He's riding the Ferris wheel. My all literal the, nightmare. He rides the Ferris surreal. wheel so many times. times. I it's hate so Ferris wheel so much. I'm like, that can't be fun. It can't be fun. Poor Simon. From afar, a Ferris wheel looks like it'd be fun because you'd think it'd be kind of going a little fast. No, it's always slow. And you do constant stopping because people got to get on and off. It's so funny because they picked the Ferris wheel, obviously, for like the romantic moment at the end. Yes. Like the Ferris wheel kiss. But then when you get to love Victor, because again, I am here on behalf of love Victor. I don't know love Simon. (laughs) You are their representative. I'm doing all of the um, promo that Michael Cimino wouldn't. And I'm, so I'm here on behalf of when Victor's not like interested in getting in the on the Ferris wheel and he has to be like basically forced like he's like do we have to 
And also it's with a girl because that's a thing. Yeah. Well, Victor's got some questionable plot lines going on, but it's fine. We love it anyway. Um, yeah. And I do like that they do like clearly make it awkward. They're like, yeah, no, this would actually be awkward to endure in real life because it just keeps and going and going just and going. standing there. No yes. one is enjoying the carnival. It's a, literally everyone is just standing there like- It the seems so terrible. And, and then like, because it's like a great- idea in theory but it, it's not so much in practice and literally it's like last ride for simon martin's like here i'll pay for another ticket and then like right as it's about to go off bram shows up and is like can i sit there and you're like it's bram yes you're like fuck yeah what i've wanted this whole time this is just and like also randomly uh, thought of because we're because it's like the carnival scene yeah the carnival in the play on the same night like on the meet like Fully, yeah. fully on the same night. What does the parking lot look like on these nights? Oh, a nightmare, yeah. an absolute nightmare. Oh my god, has to be traffic jam on the oh. highway, like just fucked up completely. There's no escaping it. Maybe it's just because like my school didn't have a big parking lot, but I, oh no. But yeah, so then Bram sits down and they talk. Are you disappointed that it's me? No, and you're like, of course yeah. not. Of course he's happy. Yeah, it's you. Be disappointed. Yeah, you're the best option. Because it's, it's like clearly also asking the audience like, oh, like they want us to think about that and be like, oh, are we disappointed? Like, no. And no, it never crossed my mind even for a second. I'm like, yes, please kiss already. Like, come on. Like, this is what we've been for, waiting like, for. Like they talk and it's like, no, kiss. Yeah, I'm like, the thing is, is it's like the two of them in particular, like with every other guy, except for maybe like Lyle, it's like, there's not like a ton of chemistry in terms of like, oh, this could definitely be the guy. It's only Lyle and Bram that like seem like they could be viable actually. Like this this seems like the guy that Simon is most interested in kind of a vibe. Like in terms of like the vibe that Nick Robinson is giving off in those scenes. And like, because I mean, in fairness too, like Miles Heiser doesn't have like anything in comparison. And then like the guy across the street working before school also really isn't given anything so it's so so it's like for him I know I know but like those two are the only ones that like feasibly could absolutely be it I've been thinking about this literally since we mentioned it the first time I guess like theoretically he could have like late entry to school since they're seniors maybe like uh, working before school it's still so sad yeah I hate to see it you hate to see it I do child exploitation it's like Selena Gomez having to sell worms before school in Princess Protection Program. Please stop. <laughs> but not, so, not the worms. Not the worms. Not the, oh man, we haven't talked about worms in a long time, but we're not going to start now. Um, so then they're on the Ferris wheel. They kiss. It's great. Everybody's screaming. Like it's that one Dr. Phil vine or TikTok or whatever. Bram asked him if he's anti Oh yeah, that's <laughs> really iconic just like really she's like so you're not racist or anti-semitic right and simon's like no that's fine it's cool yeah and like, like fair i understand like asking but also like what <laughs> and like and just in general though it's a, it's a very satisfying rom-com ending everybody you know is happy ends up with the person they wanted and Simon's life gradually starts Leah to- Leah ends up with nobody. Well, actually, it's kind of implied that, like, Leah and Garrett might have a thing at the end of the yeah. movie because they're the ones together. Yeah. But I emotionally don't feel great about that. 
you know um i'm pretty sure they're both gay but i mean it's <laughs> neither here yeah. nor there yeah but like outside of that everything's pretty much normal again um he's fully in a relationship with bram he even picks him up before school um Car's getting with real all crowded. of the other friends yeah it's getting really crowded there's no room yeah i'm like concerned Simon ends up suggesting that they forego their usual morning routine and instead go on a little adventure, which once again, are they skipping school or are they doing all of this before school? Because I, I think school does. I think that that part implies that they skip school. Like it's their little senior yeah. skip day. Wouldn't it be funny though, if it was like, well, school starts at 1 PM. So we have all the time in the world. <laughs> Goodbye. <Yeah. laughs> end of movie. And yeah, no. And that's the end of the movie. Bram's joined in. It's great. It's cute. We had a good time, you know, like, everybody's happy it's just I really love this movie a lot I think it's really cute and I just I think it's like really endlessly rewatchable I clearly agree which is why I'm the guest on this episode yeah (laughs) do we have anything else to say before we do what the plot no I think I have said possibly everything I could have ever said about this movie perfect um so this week Noah's gonna guess the plot to the Philadelphia story which is from um 19 wow i can't read anymore 1940 <laughs> i was is that a hint <laughs> it's just context you okay. know is there any other information that you would like to know but nothing too revealing can i get a character name just one um mike okay so it's clearly about a guy named mike and it's the 1940s so maybe a war uh maybe not get the vague feeling that it might be about like some kind of disease like I feel like I read that somewhere on the internet once but I could be wrong it's like I said it's Philadelphia there's a guy named Mike I'm not getting any faces on the disease or war so I guess it's neither of those things <laughs> like I feel Sorry. like it's fine it's keep going keep going I'm gonna turn off my camera I have <laughs> thinking about it I'm like thinking hard <laughs> sorry my picture is really just <laughs> I forgot I my picture. Oh my god! Okay, keep going with your plot. I'm just going to guess that. So it's the 1940s, Mike, Philadelphia. It for some reason when I hear Philadelphia, it literally just makes me think like Baltimore and hairspray. But I know that's not right. What do you think Mike is doing in Philadelphia? What What do you think his his angle is? What What's he What's he doing? So, I for some reason. Don't ask me why I feel like this, but he sounds like he could be a gangster since you just asked me what his angle is. Oh, I don't know. I just thought it sounded fun. But yeah, sure. He could be, he could totally be a gangster. So I'm going to guess that it's a movie about like a gang and Mike is in the gang and it's Philadelphia. It's the 1940s. So I think that there's a war, but I did not pay that much attention in history class. And that's all I got. Um, the end of World War II is like in 1945. So, I mean, you're not. Oh, not far off. Oh, cool. Okay. I was actually thinking World War One, which is terrible. <laughs> it's okay. I, I don't know years as we've discussed. I, I'm taking a history class next semester, so we'll see. <laughs> That's what I got. For some reason it sounds like it's about a gang to me. I you know, kind of like a like a like a West Side story, but like in Philadelphia. That was not quite what I was picturing, no, but yeah, also no. yes. But also not like I can't like really describe what I'm picturing when I hear these words in my head, but it's like a, 
a gang, but not like a West like, Side Story gang because that's different. I'm picking- but like a lot of people saying like here, see, you know, like maybe a little like mob, maybe more mob. Mo- the mob, the mob is what I'm. Yes, doing. there you go. Thank the you. mob, and that's what I think it's about. The mob in Philadelphia. Mike is a guy, and he's he's in the mob. Yes, I think he's I think he's a mobster. Yeah. Do you like? Do you think he's like higher up? Do you think he's like just like a? Oh, I think he's like like further down. Like I don't think he's like further a down, like a yeah. low level. Low I level. I don't think he's like. He's kind of a peon in the. Yeah, he's not. No. Yeah, no, I get that, and maybe he's like. Maybe he's like friends with somebody named like I don't know. They always have like weird names, like Pretty Boy, something or other, you know, or like, Salami. I don't know. <laughs> So long. <laughs> There's never I'm, been a mobster sorry, so long. I've never. I've never. I was thinking like Big Al. Big Al. Um, in um, in The Sopranos, it's like, isn't it like Big Pussy? <laughs> isn't that one of the guys? Yes, because that guy has a strip club. Yeah. I do know that. Yes, Big yeah, Pussy. Yeah, for some reason, when I hear like the Philadelphia story, I'm like, hmm, sounds like an older version of The Sopranos. And I know I have got to be like 95% wrong. Yeah. Um, I do want to say the reason why you thought about the disease is because there's a movie Philadelphia, Philadelphia. starring Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks that it's is about AIDS. Yeah. It's about AIDS. Yeah. Directed by so I think that Demi. that like got in your brain. Um, this well, I knew movie... it couldn't be about AIDS in the night in 1940, but I wasn't... Yeah. like, I was thinking like, I don't know, tuberculosis. <laughs> consumption. consumption. A lot of stories about consumption. Yeah. So this movie, uh, it's Catherine Hepburn. She used to be married to Cary Grant. And then now they're divorced um, because her dad was like, he doesn't measure up to our standards. So like, you gotta get her. a rich story. Yeah. And then, um, you know, she's like gonna marry this, like she wants to marry a new man and there's all this stuff happening. And uh, she... Uh, like somebody is like assigned to like cover their wedding like this reporter comes in and um basically it's just like a little romantic comedy the the chaos ensues yeah you're like is she gonna pick jimmy stewart is she gonna pick carrie grant like it's a whole thing i think it should have been about the mob a mob i i I love a mob movie you know i love a mob movie (laughs) especially with one the character named Salami. I, you know what, Shelby? I, I will write a mob movie just for you, with a character named Salami. Does he have a catchphrase? Shoot somebody. He says, "I cook. It I a cook pizza. it a pizza." I'll, I'll write that for you. Well, uh, now that we've cooked the pizza, <laughs> no. Would you like to plug your social media handles or anything? All my social media is Noah Born XO. And so that's what I've got. It's Twitter and Instagram. Beautiful. Uh, maybe don't follow me because it's not going to be great for you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an experience. Sometimes I just watch movies at 2 a.m. and I'm like, hmm, everybody else wants to know what's happening in this movie. You know exactly. what? I do the same thing with like every Dove Cameron and Adam Driver vehicle. So like I get it. And I learn a lot about gen z from your twitter please and Nick robinson yes hey, hey I, I watched a timothy chalamet movie i i actually Hot saw your night. tweets i watched that movie for 
um, an ex of mine that I briefly oh dated because he was like, oh, let's watch this movie. I really enjoy it. And I was like, you have bad people taste. En- people enjoy No, I was like, you have bad taste. Like this movie is god awful. I, I had a hard time watching it. The only thing, the only redeeming factor that movie really had bad. was for some reason it had that, oh no, oh no, 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 TikTok song. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. Okay. No. Um, as far as uh, our social media goes, you can follow us on Twitter at blessedpick and on Instagram at blessed.picture. Um, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That really helps. And you can get us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Podcasts. Um, yeah, that's all I got. That's everything. Um, watch Love, Victor on Hulu. <laughs> please. It, it will be out by the time this episode episode comes out it's released but it's fine 45 minutes i'm so excited (laughs) i'm so happy for you i love that for you um yeah no uh next week we are no longer doing our pride series because it'll be july we are tackling my birthday month and we finally will be taking a trip into my favorite subgenre of film which i like to call a woman adrift aka women going through it so enjoy that. And guess what? We're covering our first Cassavetes movie. We're talking about opening night. An iconic film to me personally. And I'm very excited to watch it again and talk about it. So Can't yes. Wait. Very excited. Thank you for listening. I cook it a pizza, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I cook a da pizza. <laughs>